0: On this week's episode, we're talking the record debut for Avengers Infinity War. How well did The Walking Dead wrap up its final battle? The winners and losers of the NFL Draft? And which movies do we think you should see this summer? All this and more as we once again delve into... The Pop Culture Cosmos.
1: Welcome
0: to the Pop Culture Cosmos. Welcome back, everyone. It is the Pop Culture Cosmos. My name is Gerald Glassford from Pop Culture Cosmos and Game Source. We truly thank you for tuning in each and every week to both of our programs that we have on the Pop Culture Cosmos channels, on online radio, and all over the place on our podcast networks but it wouldn't be a Pop Culture Cosmos without my good friend. He is the man behind the Fantasy Football pater Podcast. It's Tyler Baker. What's going on, my friend? How are you, my good man? It's good to see you. Always great to see you as well. Always great to have you here as part of the Pop Culture Cosmos. And you are filling in very nicely, as you always do, right on today's show. want to get everything out of the way right now. We are going to be talking spoilers for both. Avengers Infinity yeah. War, and also as well, The Walking Dead Season 8, the first half hour of the show. So I just want to let everyone know out there, but it's going to be a great show because we are going to be talking about The Walking Dead Season 8, how it wrapped up. I have Daphne Matthew from The Walking Dead fan base, one of the largest Walking Dead fan groups anywhere. She's going to be breaking down how this final battle in Season 8 ended up. Plus, also as well, Tyler Baker and I are going to be breaking down the NFL draft, and also we're going to give you our picks for the summer movie season later in the episode. But first, my friend, it is Avengers Infinity War. It exploded, man, out on the screen. I'll tell you what, it made a humongous, record-winning amount of money, over $250 million dollars This weekend at the box office, breaking the record that was held by Mm -hmm. Star Wars, The Force Awakens, and over $630 million worldwide. The movie itself was just an incredible event from start to finish. Yeah, My friend, I'm going to leave it to you first off, your thoughts on Avengers Infinity War. And again, I'm going to tell everybody out there for the next few minutes, we've got nothing but spoilers we're going to talk about when it comes to
1: Avengers Infinity War. My recommendation would be to find a nice, comfortable theater. It is a two-and-a-half-hour movie, so find one that has the reclining seats, maybe an IMAX 3D if you have that available to you as well. It is an amazing movie, but it is long. It's two-and-a-half-hours, but I'll Actually, tell you two hours, before. 40 minutes, actually even longer okay. than that yeah but i 'll tell you you 're not going to be bored. <laughs> there are no slow dragging parts in this movie because the Marvel Cinematic Universe has so many characters that they de- that they have developed now, and they did a really good job of peppering everyone in there i of all of them, I guess Guardian of the Galaxies is probably my favorite, and that whole crew was a big chunk of this movie and so there's a lot of funny moments. Iron Man's another big part of this one. And and so be prepared to have a couple laughs, a couple chuckles, and be prepared to be absolutely devastated by what happens at the end of this movie. You could feel it in the theater as Thanos actually wins and about half of the Avengers just dissipate into clouds of ash. So this is not one of those movies where, oh, things are getting close, but the good guys win. The good guys do not win in this. Half of them survive. It's mind-blowing.
0: Well, I will say this. For me, it was such an awesome experience, but I've never really experienced something as far as that much tension. You talked about the reclining seats and whatnot. I actually went to a theater that didn't have the reclining seats, but I couldn't relax. I've (laughs) never been... To a movie before for that long period of time where I felt in my body so much tension and nervousness about who's going to live and who's going to die. I was at the edge of my seat. I know literally, I know that's a cliche. I know I'm throwing Mm -hmm. it out there, but I was literally at the edge of my seat. And as these individuals were either being killed off in the earlier parts of the movie, like Gamora, like Loki, like Heimdall or they were being saved for last as far as when Thanos, like you said, wins out and destroys half the universe as far as the population is concerned, which includes half of the Avengers, literally, Yeah, uh, one by one by one, where it was Black Panther, whether it was the Winter Soldier, whether it was Scarlet Witch. The Vision actually just got knocked off just before that happened as well. So, so many names out there that just or truly special to the Marvel Cinematic Universe right, As of right now. They're either people theorize, maybe they were sucked up by the soul stone or, or just dissipate entirely. So right now, obviously there's a lot of mystery and, and intrigue yeah. about what is going to happen in the Avengers part four next year. And how are they going to be able to get those individuals back to life? Because in the case of black Panther, the dude just
1: made one point three billion million. <laughs> I they know, know they're going to bring him back to life. some form of passion. I know. And when he first came on scene in that movie, people, I could hear people around me going, yeah, there he is. Yeah. And you know, it's funny. You're going to be talking about the walking dead on this episode. This movie reminded me a lot of the walking dead in that, really big characters are dying it really reminded me of okay you know no nobody's sacred nobody's safe anybody at any moment could go in this movie i mean the opening scenes loki dies and it, and it and it just keeps happening and then man man the last two minutes of the movie absolutely the theater that i was in was dead silent people just could not believe what they were seeing and for a movie to be able to do that it's awesome
0: when they started dying off People just were just started to cry, especially yeah. Spider-Man when he passed. There was half a row of Spider-Man fans dressed in Spider-Man costume. Oh. And you could hear them sobbing as he was perishing. Although you know Sony's not gonna give that up, man, as well. You know he's
1: gonna come back as well. Yeah, well, one of those stones is the time stone and yes, the, the time stone, but also the soul stone as well. Yeah. Yeah, so, you know, maybe this they set the groundwork for an avenue to get control of these stones back and maybe make things right that were wrong. Who knows, but for right now, the Marvel Cinematic Universe is is devastated. It is, and the Infinity Gauntlet itself, if you notice, after Thanos
0: just snapped his fingers, the infinity gauntlet itself was damaged could be destroyed because it, it was all charred and, yeah. and yeah, it, it, it already done. It's dark magic. And I will actually break this down even further with Josh later in the week on our Friday show, the PCC multiverse Thanos played by Josh Brolin did an amazing job of convincing yes. you that he was not 100% evil and whatnot. Yeah. He, that he had a purpose that he had a mission to what he was doing that he had in his own mind legitimate reasons for carrying out the destructive nature that he was doing.
1: And he's not a typical villain. Like you said, that's just pure evil. And this movie did a really good job of continuing to develop that character. In the other movies, he's more of just kind of this nemesis and you really didn't know a lot about him. The flashbacks with his daughter and then the sacrifice that was made and the emotion that was shown you're right. It does touch on like, Hey, you know, there are two sides to this evil and he is completely evil. I mean,
2: <laughs>
1: he but he's
0: might- not insane because he's thinking out things in a logistical fashion.
1: Yeah, absolutely.
0: You know, everything was cold and calculated, but as even said himself during the course of the movie, it was a logistical way to try and combat the issues of overpopulation and the drain on resources because there's a finite amount of resources in the universe and he was acting in the only way that he thought was reasonable and sensible to him. That unfortunately meant the death of a lot of individuals beforehand and then after he gained all the stones in the Infinity Gauntlet. I was surprised that he was actually able to get all the stones. And then furthermore, I was surprised that he was actually able to carry out his... Snap and actually wipe out. That was that was a big thing because we had been leaded in and thought that maybe Cap is going to die in the battle, but they're going to save the day, or Iron Man might perish, but you know the day might be saved. Turns out, almost everybody from the earlier part, in fact, pretty much everybody from the earlier part of the Phase One of the Marvel Cinematic Universe is still alive in some form or fashion. I think really when it starts down to it, I think Winter Soldier and Falcon are the first individuals that have been there longest that I think get knocked off first. The kind of carnage that was there was just truly – it was gutsy, and I think it was the right call to make.
1: This movie will emotionally move you, and I know when I go watch a movie, I want something that's going to be thought-provoking, something that's going to move me, something that's going to enthrall me. This movie did that. This is such a good movie. I think it is genuinely one of the best movies I've ever seen. Now, you would have to have seen some of these other Marvel movies for you to already be endeared to these characters for this movie to really have the impact that it is meant to have. But man, I 100% agree. This is a great, great movie. And I cannot wait to go see it again in the theaters. I'm probably going to go again tomorrow.
0: I am going to go sometime, hopefully next week as well. And I definitely encourage everyone to do so. But if you have not become familiar with the Marvel Cinematic Universe, you do need to check out at least one of those breakdowns that you can catch on YouTube or whatever to familiarize yourself with the Marvel Cinematic Universe somewhat or else it even three hours it's going to be two hours and 40 minutes of of being lost a little bit and time and time again Mm -hmm. looking for explanations Mm -hmm. as far as what's going on and where is it going on and why is it doing this and why is Thanos doing that and, and why are the Avengers doing this there's going to be some questions that need to be asked if you are not familiarized yourself at least in a little bit with the Marvel Cinematic Universe but overall it is a tremendous experience I highly recommend it Tyler recommends it too, and we just cannot say enough good things about it. Any last thoughts on Avengers Infinity War,
1: my friend? I have no idea what they're going to do with the next movie, and that makes me want to see it even more. <laughs> exactly, because it does feel like this is a part one, and that was the
0: original. Yeah. Ten. It was called originally Infinity War Part One. Uh, okay. So, so even though they gave it its own name and they're going to give the second one a different name, mm. it does feel like a part one because Thanos does win out and Thanos is just sitting there chilling because he accomplished his mission. And I will tell you right now, it is a tremendous, tremendous job done again by the Russo brothers. And you should definitely make an effort to go see Avengers Infinity War in the theaters because it is truly an event worth watching. What are your thoughts on Avengers Infinity War? If you haven't seen already, you got to go check it out. But if you have, what did you think? Share us your thoughts, popculturecosmos at yahoo.com. Also as well, popculturecosmos, Humanica Media, Game Source, or Fantasy Football Pater Podcast on Facebook. This is the Pop Culture Cosmos. For the latest reviews and opinions on everything pop culture, head on over to our brand new site, www.popculturecosmos.wordpress.com. And we're back with the program. Thank you so much for sticking around and enjoying what we have going on here with the pop culture cosmos and the PCC multiverse. We truly appreciate it. I haven't been able to talk too much about this show on our show. It's something that over the past few years has definitely become a defining show within the realm of pop culture. And that is The Walking Dead, AMC's big hit over the past eight seasons it's done tremendously well over that span of time but there's kind of like some watershed moments right now as far as not only what went on in the finale for season eight and season eight as a whole but also the future of the series as well and who better to talk to me than one of the leading administrators for the walking dead fan base which is one of the largest walking dead fan groups Anywhere you can go, it's available on Facebook as a page or a group. It's the Walking Dead fan base. And I'll tell you what, it's great to have her here with us tonight. It is Daphne Matthew. How are you today? Good evening, Gerald. I'm doing fine. Season 8 has been completed. It did get completed with a final battle. I'll put that in quotations between leaders Megan from the Saviors and Rick from obviously our hero over the course of time, Rick Grimes, over the course of eight seasons, has been such a integral part of the series. Your thoughts on the way season eight wrapped up, and also as well, season eight as a whole, because I know you have some thoughts on that as well. Oh, I do. Uh,
2: as far as the finale go, I think the finale was done... It was done pretty well. It could have been longer. I think a lot of people were hoping that the... Final battle would have been longer and more a little bit more detailed, but I guess because Fear started right after it, or, or time frames, or what have you, not it was just a regular one hour, five minutes episode. But within that time span, they did cover a lot of ground. They resolved the issue mostly between Negan and Rick with the original comic book ending for All Out War, which was Rick splitting Negan's throat and saving him. As regards to Maggie's reaction, I think that was a normal reaction for a woman who just lost her husband. But the twist to it was the last scene between her, Jesus, and Daryl, where she it appears that she's plotting something. Now, whether it's... An eternal coming, civil war, perhaps? Yes. Yeah, I don't know. I mean... Um, I also read the comics, so I'm a li- I pretty much know what happens after All Out War, but I won't give it away because I would like to see how it comes out on the show. But I think a lot of people were a little bit surprised with her reaction. I mean, the grieving widow, that's understandable and all, but for her to actually her Jesus, especially Jesus, because we haven't seen Jesus. It's like he started showing up in season six. We didn't see him most of seven, most of eight, and then all of a sudden, in the very last episode, he's sitting there with Maggie plotting to take action against Rick, along oh with along with Daryl. Daryl, that was very shocking. Well, I obviously um, that
0: was done for shock factor, but also as well, Jesus, like you said, being suddenly pushed into maybe a forefront role, which is something that is different from the comic books because it's had a stronger impact in the comics than the TV show up until this point. Is that correct?
2: That is absolutely correct. I mean, it was like a lot of people, what are the, one of the posts that was common on the fan base was actually where is Jesus? I mean, it was like he vanished for like a season and a half. It was like, he was there in the beginning. He introduced Rick, To the kingdom and to the hilltop. And then it was like you didn't see him much. It was like, okay, this guy is supposed to be an integral character in the storyline. He's actually supposed to be Maggie's confidant. And also, you know, he had more of a role in the comics. And then all of a sudden, you don't see him. And it's like, okay, where's this going? Um, Did they do a heat for us and write him out? (laughs) And we didn't know about it. But then he shows up Episode 14 when the um, Hilltop got attacked by Simon and he killed a couple of reanimated Hilltop people. And then in the finale, he was there for a little while. So it was really interesting to see that they have not utilized that character at all throughout his tenure on The Walking Dead. So far, I'll say so far.
0: So far, so far. And obviously it looks like He's going to play a larger role on the television series going forward, at least in the interim, because you know how they love to take out main characters at some point in time that are not named Rick Grimes. Speaking, <laughs> speaking of that, there is a couple questions I want to ask you in regards to season eight and actually the finale as well. But I'll ask you the first one, which I know you mentioned before we went on the air. And that is Rick's son, Carl, or, or I should say Carl carl yeah i heard almost eight seasons of that but anyways carl's death seemed to have been very polarizing amongst the hardcore contingent out there that are in groups such as yours which is one of the largest that it's out there your thoughts on carl grimes death and was it necessary and did it help actually bring everything together for the series
2: Carl's death was a shock throughout the Walking Dead communities. It was huge. I mean, it seems like every character before they die, prime example, Abraham, they have some kind of build up before they actually die. Something changes within their character over the course of maybe one or two seasons. And then, you know, unfortunately, this season they're going to die because Abraham Everybody kind of saw it, see so come in, but with Call it was like instantaneous. It was like all through season seven, he wanted to kill Negan. He actually went to the sanctuary, found Negan, killed two of his men. Then all of a sudden, in the beginning, season eight, the first episode, Mercy, he's like kind of laid back, wanting to help people, um, giving his dad drama about, you know, there's gotta be something more. And everybody's like, where did this come from? The course of the season, from the time lapse between season seven and season eight, there was none. It was just a continuation of season seven. So a lot of people across the Walking Dead community did not understand that. It was like, what's going on with this kid? The way they
0: set it up was was really difficult to watch. Like you said, there's usually some signs. Like in the case of Sonequa Martin-Green, you knew she was taking the job as the star of Star Trek Discovery. So you knew she was going to be knocked off at All some right. point. But with Carl, as we've talked about again before the show, the show deviates when it wants to from the comic books and vice versa. In this case, Carl's still alive in the comic books, if I'm not mistaken.
2: He's alive. He's well. And it was really shocking when the reveal was made in the mid-season finale that he was actually dead. It was like, wait a minute. Father Gabriel's sick, so maybe there's a chance that Carl won't die but unfortunately also as part of being a member of a large walking dead community you do hear things on the outside that kind of like gives you an idea that okay there was a reason for his death outside the show and it was just really bad it was hard for a lot of people to take a lot of people were in denial for months nobody actually Understood, where did he hear that? Because he wasn't with Paul when Paul um, first met Sadiq. He actually ran Sadiq off. So it was like, so when did he hear that? Why is he saying that? Did Call say something him? What happened to the kids? It's still to this day, after the whole season's been wrapped, there still haven't been given any reason as to exactly what the reason was for killing Call. There is no, I mean, Scott Gimple promised during the mid season finale that there was a definitive reason and it would be revealed throughout the course of the remaining episodes. And we didn't get that. It was just like, okay, well we know the war ended. But what was cause role in it? Okay, the letter the letter to Rick was very touching. But it still doesn't explain to it doesn't give any explanation why he had to die. So it's still I will say that death in itself was one of the biggest and most traumatic deaths of all the walking dead. I mean, his mother died. That was very traumatic. Everybody. It and was, he was supposed was to live
0: tragic. because she wanted him to beat this thing. Is that correct as well?
2: Yeah, he was supposed to live for two reasons. One was that his mother's dying wish. And the other one was that he eventually was supposed to take over. I mean, next season is supposed to be, and everybody knows this because it's been teased. The Whisperer storyline, which was Carl's coming of age storyline, and all of a sudden now it's not going to happen the way it did in the comics. So now the communities on the whole are left with a big gap with, well, how are they going to play this out? Because there is nobody close to Carl's age on the show that could carry that storyline. So I guess they're going to leave out the Call part of the Whisperer storyline and just hopefully it'll be shorter. Because one of the biggest complaints about season eight. Was that all out war took the whole season? And Scott Gimple said very early on, before it even aired, that all out war would not take a whole season. So there's a lot of, how should I say it, irk with Scott Gimple about that. Yeah, there was, oh God, there was like a hundred thousand signature petition to fire him (laughs) he didn't get fired but he's no longer involved with the show on a day-to-day basis so that 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 that's
0: Scott that Scott Gimple who was the showrunner for The Walking Dead who like you said was bumped up to executive producer role as far as over both the series The Walking Dead and Fear the Walking Dead as far as now that the A great actor, Lenny James, who does a tremendous performance. I love Morgan as far as his character is concerned. And he's now transitions over to try and spice things up for Fear of the Walking Dead. But we'll go into that a little bit later. I want to ask you one last question on season eight. Because I'm going to be honest with you. It was a really big letdown for me on this all-out war that actually never really happened. It was actually pretty much Eugene coming up to save the day. But was it a good move to, in this case, follow what the comic books are doing and actually save Negan, just get his throat slashed from Rick, similar to what happened in the comic books, and end up, the punishment is that he's going to be locked in a cage to see this civilization grow and prosper. Meanwhile, just his presence being the antagonist for individuals, like you said, like, Daryl, Jesus, and most importantly, Maggie, who is the leader of the Hilltop at this point in time. Do you think it was a good call to make to follow the actual storyline of the comic books, or do you think they should have deviated in a different direction?
2: Me, personally, I think it was great that they didn't kill him. I think for two reasons. One of them is that keeping Negan alive was the thing that changed Rick, because as we saw Rick's character change over the course of season seven after Glenn and Abraham got killed. Actually, it goes further back because Rick was sort of negan in seasons five and six when they were on the road going to Alexandria, even going back to the prison, His whole stance was after they got off the farm and every community they encountered was that if they don't step in line, we'll just take them over. So he was sort of Neganish, but he wasn't exactly Negan to that point of brutality like Negan was. I mean, Rick was brutal. Rick killed some people, and it was not pretty to see him kill them. But he did have some characteristics of Negan. But I think for Rick personally, after losing Carl, after losing his wife, after losing people he loved, his so-called right-hand man named Glenn... He had Abraham, and unfortunately, Abraham's comic character was better than on the show. His character didn't develop fully like his comic character. He was, at one point, the, instead of Daryl, the person Rick went to for strategic advice in the comics, whereas Daryl was on the show. So basically, you know, with the finale, with Rick not killing him, it was sort of a redemption for Rick himself, too. He had to take a step back. I mean, he read Carl's letter. Everybody saw the episode where he read Carl's letter and he still wanted to kill Negan. He didn't care what Carl said. If Carl's dying words and wishes could not stop Rick from killing Negan, seeing Negan vulnerable in that moment when he begged for 10 seconds and he saw Negan's expression, like, you know, okay, because he knew Negan loved Carl. So Rick used that to his advantage when he begged for 10 seconds and he said, for call, please. And I think in that moment, Rick realized by killing Negan, he would just become another monster like Negan. And he couldn't do that. That's never been Rick's nature from when he woke up in the hospital until now. So I think for him, killing Negan would have been too easy. It would have just been one act and it would have been over And then it would have been like, okay, so where does the group go from him? So having Negan in the prison now is basically a reminder of Rick of what the world was during All Out War and since Negan came on the scene and also what the world can be afterwards. So I think them following that comic arc and not killing Negan was the right thing to do. I'm going to tell you right now, I am of the minority because if you look at any Facebook group. I thought you would say that. Even today, two weeks, nearly two weeks after the finale aired, people are still upset that Negan is still alive. I'm not going to say, Negan will never be fully redeemed. And Negan is really not truly a bad guy. If you looked at the governor and you looked at Negan, the governor was, in my opinion, was way worse than Negan. He killed everybody. He didn't care about anything or anybody. He was just, he killed all of his people. So he was not evil personified as some of these bad guys we've had on the show. He did things in his mind. He believed it was for a reason. He thought this was the way to save people by being, how should I say, the the big man and, you know, having people in line and having his harem of wives. I mean, there was some parts of Negan nobody could like. I mean, his own mother may have not even liked him with some of the things he said. This is <laughs> but true. he thought his way was a means to an end. I thought it was a good move. I thought it was a smart move. And that's going to be the whole debate all summer. Why Carl is dead and why is Negan still alive? So that's what you're going to see across Facebook the whole summer.
0: Once again, it's Daphne Matthew from The Walking Dead fan base. Facebook group and Facebook page. If you are a fan of the series, you got to go and check out their pages today on Facebook, sign up and be a part of that ever-growing community of walking dead fans that love to share their opinions on the show and the future of the series. Daphne, I just want to tell you it's been tremendous talking to you about the walking dead. Anytime. Thank you so much, Daphne for being a part of the show.
3: And of course, a part of the pop culture cosmos. Get ready for Kitty Origins Evolutions, the latest documentary from Rob McCallum. Generously peppered with archival footage shot by the band, this film gives you an honest and brutal look at what it takes to survive in the music industry. Order the DVD, Blu-ray, and live CD triple pack that features recordings from throughout their 20-year illustrious history from Rob McCallum Films.com, your place for awesome stories about awesome people and films worth watching.
0: And we're back. We just want to make sure and let you know our shows are being streamed seven days a week on online radio stations and that we deliver two brand new shows covering the latest in pop culture each and every Monday and Friday to Apple Podcasts or over 30 different podcast networks. Just subscribe to any one of them on the Pop Culture Cosmos channel to get extra content, or just check out the Pop Culture Cosmos Facebook page for our entire radio schedule and the list of those podcast networks. And don't forget, the Fantasy Football Pater Podcast Facebook group. You gotta join up today if you're a fan of football or you really wanna get the leg up on the upcoming football season for all you fantasy football players out there. Speaking of football, the NFL Draft just concluded this weekend. A lot of great things going on. A lot of not so great things going on if you're some certain teams that made some lousy choices. But Mm -hmm. while we don't know 100% how this is all going to work out, your thoughts on the best three or four teams that you think made out in this year's 2018 NFL draft?
1: we can come back and ask questions about 2018 maybe in 2020 or 2022 you just don't know teams have needs and and how they position themselves in the drafts to either take the best player or fill positional needs those are decisions that are made in rooms with men that are very, very qualified to do that. So we can only sit on the outside and, and kind of guess a little bit. But there were some interesting things in this draft. The Cleveland Browns, you, if you're going to talk about the 2018 draft, you have to talk about the Cleveland Browns and what they did. They had the number one and the number four overall picks I thought maybe they were going to trade down and maybe accumulate some second and third round picks that ended up not happening. And with their first pick, they take Baker Mayfield, which I don't think many people were expecting at all. I don't think anyone thought that he was the best quarterback in this draft class, and he certainly was not the best player. And if you're going to use your number one overall pick, you want it to be a safe pick and they did not go safe pick with baker mayfield and they picked up nick chubb who i really like they got him in the second round that guy is a bruiser he is a very good running back that i think is going to complement well whereas Isaiah Crowell was kind of the early down back but he could kind of do it all I think I think Nick Chubb is more of an early down back with their number four overall pick because they had two picks in that first round they did get Denzel Ward which was a little bit of a question mark because maybe he shouldn't have gone that high but again the Browns needed a shutdown corner they want that magic that they had with Joe Hayden years ago so Whereas in the in their first two picks they got a questionable quarterback, it may be a cornerback that went too high, but from the Browns point of view Those might be the guys that they absolutely needed for their team. But it was interesting that they did not trade down and try to accumulate more picks. They liked where they were and they did manage to infuse a lot of new talent in that offense. The Cleveland Browns, I think, are going to get the most critiquing for what they did as far as in this draft. But I think that so far, the new regime there in Cleveland, I think they did a pretty good job in addressing needs for their team the indianapolis colts they've needed to take care of andrew luck they haven't that offensive line has been terrible andrew luck has missed a lot of games in the last couple years so the indianapolis colts answered by spending a couple high draft picks on some offensive linemen and That is imperative if they expect to keep Andrew Luck healthy, if they expect that offense to run through their franchise quarterback, if they want to keep him on the field, they needed to invest in the offensive line, and they did a really good job of doing that in this draft.
0: One thing that I'm going to say right now is there was no definitive number one quarterback. There was no quarterback that stood out as far as head and shoulders. Like we had talked about, there was issues with pretty much each and every one that was being considered for that top spot. Baker Mayfield, I think his height and also his overconfidence might be scary to some. With Sam Darnold, the fact that he creates a lot of turnovers. Josh Rosen, he fell down. I think a lot of it is due to health because he could never stay healthy when he was with UCLA, even though I think he might have the most talent. Josh Allen of Wyoming, basically it's the competition, playing at Wyoming. He might have had the best natural talent of any of them but the competition that he faced is that going to be an issue because it's really going to be a step up from what he's used to playing when oh, he was yeah. at wyoming lamar jackson i guess there's an issue even though he's extremely athletic a lot of people do not have confidence in his accuracy or his arm strength there's questions like i said with each and every one i didn't think there was a defensive number one quarterback there hopefully, there will be at least one or two good quarterbacks that come out of the slot sure. of them that I mentioned. Was there any that stuck out to you as being one that might break out of the pack and people need to keep an eye on, especially
1: all those fantasy football league owners out there? Well, for fantasy. I definitely shy away from rookie quarterbacks, but if you're talking about the winners and losers, I think you have to look at the Ravens and how Ozzie Newsome managed to jump back up into the first round and get two first-round picks and and getting Lamar Jackson. Now he doesn't have to bring Lamar Jackson into play right now. There's a very good veteran there in Joe Flacco that Jackson can learn behind, and I think it's really good for the franchise in that they know who their guy of the future is. They and they they don't have to run him out there right now. So. If there's one guy that's really, I think was a really, really smart move. I think it was the Ravens getting Lamar Jackson. Now the other quarterbacks and and where they fell, you know, I, I can't say that there's one that really stands out. I think you would have to go look at New York. I think the jets getting Sam Darnold. I think he's in a position where he can come in and play maybe sooner rather than later. You know, rookie quarterbacks, it's just it's just a big learning curve coming into the pros. And it's not very often that, that you have a rookie. Come, you, you don't often get a Deshaun Watson that'll come in and just light it up. It just doesn't happen very often. So for fantasy purposes, I'm not really paying that much attention.
0: You also are going to be able to be hard-pressed to find that next deck, mm-hmm. Prescott, like the Cowboys did. And that can just literally just jump right in and lead your team to a winning record and also be able to provide the stats from it it is a big learning curve and there's only a few quarterbacks that can transition from the college ranks and be able to master that game so quickly
1: speaking of quarterbacks I want to talk about the New York Giants not getting a quarterback at number two honestly I I was a, a little bit surprised by it But it makes really good sense. The New York Giants, they need help on that offensive line. They need a running game. Without help on the offensive line, without a running game, Eli Manning is going to continue spiraling downward. So the Giants chose not to get a quarterback, but what they did do, and I thought it was really smart, they got a stud running back that they're going to have for quite a long time. I think that that is probably going to make a better impact for the future of the New York Giants than taking a chance on one of these quarterbacks. Because what if you, with the number two pick, take a chance on a quarterback and it doesn't pan out? Well, with Shaquan Barkley, yeah, number two overall is really high to take a running back, but he's one of the best running backs that's come out in a very long time. And What he can do for that New York Giants offense will alleviate a lot of the pressure that Eli Manning is under and probably help them get a couple more years out of Eli Manning. So it's kind of pushing the problem off a little bit, but I think it was a really smart move.
0: One last thing before we head on out, who do you think made the poorest choices in the NFL draft? Because I know a lot of people are really going hard on the Seattle Seahawks. Yeah. on the fact that they basically are trying in a passing league to go backwards in time and trying to see if they can try and go ahead and revert back to a run-dominant game. Is that something that stuck out to you? And are there, are there any other teams that really made poor choices this year in the NFL draft?
1: They were a couple teams that just didn't have a lot to work with. The Texans didn't have a lot to work with. There were a couple of other teams that didn't have early round picks. But if you're looking at the losers, it is 100% Seattle. If you listen to my podcast last year, I was not high on Russell Wilson. I was not high on that team period because of their refusal to, to address the offensive line. And here we are, 2018, and they picked a punter. They traded up and got a punter before they started working on that offensive line. I don't know what these guys are thinking. Now, they're the professionals, and I'm just some dude on a podcast. But I don't understand how they can completely neglect the offensive line when Russell Wilson has been running for his life for the last couple of seasons. Have they learned no lesson from the Colts? Have they learned no lessons in watching Russell Wilson limping around on the field and still trying to make it happen? I just don't understand it. And even the picks that they made, I didn't think were very good. Yeah, they they got a great punter good. <laughs> that's great. But they didn't do anything to address the biggest need on that team. And that defense has been crumbling and, and that defense is getting picked apart. And they waited with the exception of Rasham Green. They really waited too late in the draft to work on their defense. So their two biggest needs, I think they just completely rejected, but they got a great running back. And you know what, that's good. I think they took them too early and I can understand the team's frustration and having all of these running backs that they have that just can't stay healthy. CJ Proceis is a great athlete. He doesn't play because he's not healthy. Chris Carson gets hurt. They had an awful Band-Aid with Thomas Rawls and Eddie Lacy, and all these guys are getting hurt all the time. So I can understand how they would want to find some safety in a running back that they think that can stay healthy. But I just think they made bad decisions and not addressing the problems that their team really has. And instead, they, I think, played to their anxieties about having a healthy running game. I don't know what they're doing there. And most of the commentary that I've that I've read agrees with that, that they, they just neglected their needs.
0: Neither to me as well. And it's a shame because the once mighty Seahawks look like they're going to be falling hard based on their decisions in the NFL draft.
1: Unfortunately, I think you're right.
0: What are your thoughts on the NFL draft? Did your team do what it needed to do in the draft and as far as getting picks that would address their needs? Or do you think that your team or another team that you really care for really made some poor choices this year in the NFL draft? Share us your thoughts, Pop Culture Cosmos, Humanica Media, Game Source, Inside Sports, and also as well, Fantasy Football Pater Podcast on Facebook, popculturecosmos at yahoo.com or popculturecosmos Media, and game source on twitter when we come back tyler and i are going to be breaking down the summer movie season and have our five picks on exactly which movies we think you should see this summer this is the pop culture cosmos
3: if you're tired of sifting through flea markets for rare and unique games we can help Retro City Games in Henderson, Nevada, only 5 minutes from the Las Vegas Strip, has all your favorite gaming staples, classics, and a wide selection of rare games with new stuff always appearing on our shelves. Come in and chat with Nicole or Doug about your love of games and watch as they help you complete your collection or find your childhood favorite. And don't forget, Retro City Games loves trade-ins. So if you have any Nintendo, Super Nintendo, Sega, Xbox, Playstation, or even PC games, come in and visit Retro City Games today. Welcome to the new metropolis of gaming, Retro City Games.
0: And we're back to close out the show. We truly appreciate you sticking around with us. This is the Pop Culture Cosmos closing out the show. We just want to thank, again, Daphne Matthew. So great to have her on Talking The Walking Dead. Also as well, my good friend Tyler Baker right here. Thank you so much for subbing in for the disappearing (laughs) josh peterson he didn't meet the same demise as half the galaxy population (laughs) but we will be back on friday talking about avengers infinity war more spoilers to talk about and our deep thoughts on that and so much more but my friend it is that time of the year the annual marvel movie comes out it kicks off the summer box office movie Mm -hmm. season Oh, yeah. And I wanted to go over my friend with you some of your choices on there. But first, let me break down to everyone out there just a little bit about some of the big movies that are coming out in the next few months. In May, the big movies that are coming out in May are Life of the Party with Melissa McCarthy. That's coming out on May 11th. You also have Deadpool 2 coming out May the 18th. After that, on Memorial Day weekend, May 25th. You've got Solo, A Star Wars Story. In June, the movies to look out for, I think, are Ocean's 8 on June 8th. Hereditary, also that comes out on June 8th as a horror movie. Probably one of those nice, low-budget horror movies that's going to make a ton of money. And you also have, on June the 15th, The Incredibles 2, Tag, and Superfly. Those are all going wide on June the 15th. On the 22nd of June, you've got Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom. On the 29th of June, you've got Sicario, Day of the Soldado, and also Uncle Drew coming out again, both on June 29th, plus also as well, The Hustle and Sanju as well. Those are some movies to look out for in June. In July, you've got The First Purge, a continuance of the Purge iterations, and that is coming out on July the 4th. July the 6th, you've got Ant-Man and the Wasp continuing that Marvel Cinematic Universe, although this takes place before the events of Infinity War. I believe it takes place right after Civil War, but obviously we'll know for sure when that movie comes out July the 6th. You've got On the 13th, you've got Hotel Transylvania 3, Summer Vacation, and Skyscraper with The Rock, starring in another probably highly critically acclaimed movie, just like Rampage. And I'm being totally facetious when I say that. (laughs) On the 20th, The Equalizer 2 with Denzel Washington. I'm going to say it's a stretch, but I think he probably kills a lot of people in that movie. (laughs) Mama Mia, Here We Go Again. Both of those movies are coming out July 20th. On July 27th, Tom Cruise, guess what? He's in another Mission Impossible. And this time it's Mission Impossible Fallout. And Teen Titans go to the movies. They're both coming out on July the 27th. And in August, we're going to go with Disney's Christopher Robin. That comes out on August 3rd. Mile 22, that's also very interesting, coming out on August 3rd as well. I believe that one is with Mark Wahlberg. The Spy Who Dumped Me, that's a comedy coming up on August 3rd as well. August 10th, you've got The Meg, which a lot of people are already just like as a sci-fi thriller, just really just already pooping on that one. That one's with Jason Statham and a lot of other well-known character actors fighting off this large water-based beast. That's coming up on August 10th. Alpha, that's coming out on August 17th. Slender Man, another horror movie. That one might be interesting as far as because of the well-known stories that are behind the Slender Man series, as far as not from a game standpoint, but also from a folk story standpoint. That's coming out on August 24th. Now that you heard me run down a lot of those movies, let me not forget Replicas with Keanu Reeves. That comes out August 24th. Now that you heard me break down all those movies for May, June, July, and August, and again, there's a lot more movies that are coming out during those time periods, but I think I was just trying to point out some of the bigger entries that were coming out in those months. Now that I broke those down, share your thoughts with me on the five movies you think people should see when it comes to the summer movie season.
1: Well, after watching Infinity Wars, I feel like they're all going to be letdowns.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Good thing. Good thing. That's a good point.
1: (laughs) But staying in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, you mentioned Ant-Man and the Wasp. Like you said, that is a prequel to Infinity Wars. I'm looking forward to that. I like Ant-Man. He's fun. He's funny. He can do some cool stuff. And introducing a similar character in the Wasp, I think that that's going to be an interesting film. Going to be looking forward to seeing that one. And they're also
0: going to explain most likely why he he and she were not in Infinity War as far as not being there. And then also if they got wiped out as far as half the other population, that's something to think about as well.
1: Yeah, he was curiously absent from Infinity War. And maybe, like you said, Ant-Man and Wasp movie will answer why they were not there because the universe was in peril. <laughs>
0: I mean, Infinity War had its share of individuals that were familiar with in the Marvel Cinematic Universe that were not there. Ant-Man, Hawkeye, they're a couple of the most glaring omissions. But again, it might be explained why in the upcoming Ant-Man and the Wasp. So
1: break down even more. What you got, man? What else you got? Well, staying along those lines, you know what? I think I like Chris Pratt. The roles that he takes are usually fun to watch. I think he did a really good job in the last Jurassic movie. And of course, there's another Jurassic movie coming out. And having seen the previews today, while I was sitting waiting for Infinity Wars to start, it looked like more of what you can expect from Chris Pratt. Kind of a lovable character, good sense of humor, and then gigantic dinosaurs that want to eat you. This looks interesting. It looks like the powers that be are trying to weaponize the dinosaurs and this looks like it could be a, a fun movie to watch. You know what you're going to expect. It's big dinosaurs and they're going to scare you. But Chris Pratt in the last Jurassic movie had a way of communicating with the dinosaurs, so it might be fun to see him fighting for the dinosaurs against you know militaries that want to weaponize the dinosaurs. So I'm looking forward to seeing that one. I think it'll be a fun movie, a little bit scary. And of course, you get Jeff Goldblum coming back in his role as Ian Malcolm, and it should be a good movie. I'm looking forward to seeing in that one
0: i would like to agree with you i've never been high on the jurassic park series i've seen all of them but uh, i just i don't go out to theaters i don't make an effort to go see those really 100 right away but uh, if people get a lot of thrills and enjoyment out of them my gosh then by all means because they do have a formula they stick to it and really a lot of people seem to enjoy it and more power to them if that's the case
1: Well, a movie I know you're going to be standing in line to see is the Solo movie. Oh, my gosh. Saw a preview for it today. How does the scruffy head nerf herder get to be Han Solo? We're going to find out. It looks amazing. Of course, it's a Star Wars movie. I know you're going to be camping out to see it. I'll be in the tent next to you. Man, this is going to be the highlight of the summer for me. I loved Infinity War, but I grew up on Star Wars. And to see the story behind Han Solo, how he came to be who he is, I cannot wait to see this movie.
0: I will be wearing my Han Solo shirt, rest assured.
1: (laughs) I know there are a couple more choices for you as well, I believe. You know what? I'm looking forward to Oceans 8. I've really enjoyed the the Oceans franchise. They do a really good job with the twists and the turns and the characters, and I'm looking forward to an influx of new characters that we don't know yet now sandra bullock stars in this and she is going to be danny ocean's sister george clooney's character and so i'm really looking forward to seeing a fresh new cast although i really liked the old cast of the oceans movies and whatever heist that they're up to just seems like it's going to be a fun entertaining clever movie to watch i'm looking forward to seeing that one
0: Lay it on me, man. What's that final film you've got on your mind when it comes to movies to watch this summer?
1: Well, as I was sitting in my comfortable chair waiting for the Avengers movie to start, they showed a preview for Mission Impossible. And it has this incredible motorcycle chase scene through Paris. Just watching that preview, I knew – I was going to have to go watch this film. Now, Mission of Possible, you know what you're getting. It is huge explosions and gigantic stunts and things that are a little over the top, which isn't always what draws me to a movie. But when I'm watching that motorcycle chase, I, I just I knew I was going to have to go see this movie. What are some of the movies that you're going to make it a point to go see this summer?
0: Funny you should ask that. And I'll break it down real quickly for everyone out there. I'm going to start off with Incredibles 2, which I had okay. indicated a couple of weeks ago as being the sequel to my favorite Pixar movie. Hmm. Uh, Incredibles, the first one, was truly a great experience to watch. I still enjoy it to this very day, and I'm so excited to see this role reversal that there is now going to happen yeah. when it comes to Incredibles 2.
1: Yeah, yeah, that should be a good one. You're right. That first movie, it was a great movie. It was a fun movie to watch. It was heartwarming. You're right. The role reversal, it should be interesting.
0: It is going to be interesting indeed. And definitely another hit for Pixar on the way. Deadpool 2, I mean, it's the sequel to a big surprise at the box office when the original came out. Now it adds the element of Josh Brolin stepping out of the Thanos makeup and into the cable makeup. Cannot wait to see that movie. It's going to be hilarious. I know I'm going to be laughing from beginning to end on that one. Oh, Oh, yeah. The Equalizer 2, actually, I've seen the movie with Denzel Washington Uh previously, and I I enjoyed it. Although, like I said in the preview that we were just talking about earlier, he's going to kill a lot of people, and that's what it's all about. People are just going to see him knocking off one bad guy after the other, because that's what he's best at doing as the Equalizer. Sicario 2 is something I also want to see. I just saw Sicario, the original, about three weeks ago. I was sorry that I didn't get a chance to see it in the theaters. It's still, it's going to have, again, Josh Brolin along with (laughs) the guy he, he, presumably he kills uh, the collector in the Infinity War, Benicio Del Toro. (laughs) who we think got killed in the Infinity War by yeah. Josh Brolin. I mean, it's like Kevin Bacon it's, here. Seven steps to Kevin Bacon, seven steps to Josh Brolin in this case. So it,
1: it's, it's the summer of Josh Brolin, ladies it, and gentlemen. It is,
0: it is. He's going to be making out like a bandit, I tell you. But he's back in Sicario 2. So is Benicio Del Toro. And they were ruthless in this movie. And I enjoyed it. Now they're going to start an all-out war against the drug cartels in this movie. And I, I definitely want to see it and make it a definite. Watch on my list.
1: I fully intend to see every Josh Brolin movie this summer.
0: Oh, there you go. That includes Sicario 2. So I think it's Day of the Soldado, if I remember correctly. Yes. yes. So definitely check that out. My last movie is kind of a surprise, and I okay. didn't mention it in our preview, and I kind of kept it the secret for a reason. And that is on July 11th. It's going to be on a Sunday. It's a re-release. It's going to be in limited theaters, but if you get a chance to check it out, it is the re-release of the Beatles Yellow Submarine.
1: Oh, I didn't and, know that they were going to re-release that and show Yes,
0: it. so I'm assuming if since it's re-released it's going to be it's been digitally retouched. Yeah. and a movie that was I thought on my old 1970s 1980s color tv that was horrible to look at or whatnot still was enjoyable to watch and the colors popped out at that point in time on that just imagine if it's been redone digitally and how it will look on the big screen the yellow submarine by the beatles was just i've only seen it a couple times in my life because it's been really hard to catch but i i enjoyed it so much and i tell you what it is truly uh, something that is special, and maybe I may take my girls to it to have them better understand who the Beatles were and what the phenomenon was all about, but it definitely is something that you know if you're a longtime fan of the band or even as someone you just want to know more about that time frame that the Beatles were so huge in, you should check out the re-release of The Yellow Submarine when it hits theaters in probably a limited fashion on July the 11th.
1: Wow, good call on that one. Yeah, you threw me a (laughs) curveball. Well, what do you think about that, man? If it is anywhere near me, I probably will see it. I saw, it was a couple of years ago, Led Zeppelin's Song Remains the Same was put in theaters. And of course I went to watch it and it was great. I'm a huge Zeppelin fan. I still, still listen to Led Zeppelin. I don't listen to the Beatles as much anymore, but there was a time in my life when I was in high school where we all just caught on to the Beatles. It it is such good music. It's timeless music. 50, 100 years from now, somebody's going to plug in a Beatles song, and they're going to love it. I I mean, the music is just so good. And the prospect of them re-releasing Yellow Submarine, uh, touching it up a little bit for the next generation, I think that's awesome.
0: It just really doesn't get distributed very much uh, to the public for some odd reason or whatnot. Maybe it's legal, maybe what have you. But definitely, this is an opportunity to see it on the big screen. And I think if you have the chance to do so, you should catch it on the big screen just to understand that part of history as far as the Beatles when they took over and became probably the biggest entity on the planet. Probably, so, yeah. Yeah. So, Well, those are our thoughts on the summer box office movie season. If you have thoughts on what movies you'd like to see that weren't on our list, share us your thoughts, PopCultureCosmos and Yahoo.com. Also as well, Pop Culture Cosmos, Humanic Media, Game Source, and Fantasy Football Pater Podcast on Facebook and Twitter as well. Any last
1: thoughts before we go out, my friend? It's been a couple of hours since Infinity Wars ended, and I just want to watch it again.
0: <laughs> That's probably the best way to close out our thoughts on Infinity War. And I agree with you that Infinity War is a must watch again on the theaters even if you've seen it already
1: absolutely it's fantastic i'm wanting more i cannot wait till the next movie comes out and ant-man and wasp is something to kind of get us through but oh man it was just so incredible everything about it i loved it can't wait to see it again
0: neither can i my friend i want to thank you so much for filling in for the evaporated (laughs) probably into the soul stone josh peterson hopefully he will materialize and if not great to have you here my friend as always because i know you'll always fill in for him and definitely just so great to have you part of the
1: pop culture cosmos always a pleasure to be on and it's a great pleasure to be a part of the pcc so for tyler baker this is gerald
0: glassford it's another beautiful day in paradise right here in the pop culture cosmos we thank you for listening And here's hoping you have yourself a great day.